0: Amen. You be seated. Good morning and Merry Christmas. One of the things that is amazing about Christmas is that there's no other season for which we have a whole genre of music. Right? There are all types of Christmas songs. There are sacred Christmas songs, uh, like the ones we heard this morning. Go tell it on the mountain hark the herald angels sing O holy night there are secular christmas songs like jingle bells rudolph the red-nosed reindeer all i want for christmas is my two front teeth of course uh, there are different genres of christmas songs like classical christmas jazz christmas country christmas um, and then there are what i would call feel-good Christmas songs designed to, like, create a certain atmosphere. So an example of that would be, like, White Christmas. You remember the lyrics? I'm dreaming of a white Christmas, right? Just like the ones I used to know, where the treetops glisten and children listen to hear sleigh bells in the snow. I'm dreaming of a white Christmas with every Christmas card I write. May your days be merry and bright, and may all your Christmases be white. Songs that are all about the feel-good nature of Christmas. The snow, the sleigh bells, and the Christmas cards, and obedient children. There's nothing wrong with that, of course, but by the end of the song, you realize what Christmas means to the singer um, has nothing to do with Jesus and everything to do with a feeling, with an atmosphere. It's warm and fuzzy. It's like drinking a cup of warm cocoa on a cold, snowy day. The warm atmosphere of a perfect Christmas, it's the perfect Christmas card with the perfect picture, the perfect family, It's the perfect Christmas letter that highlights all the good, leaves out all the bad. That's what Christmas means to many people, a warm, fuzzy, good feeling, Like, like watching a Hallmark Christmas movie. But what if the meaning of Christmas is actually much darker. What if the point of Christmas isn't to highlight the joys of life, but to shine light on the darkness of it? In the Bible, Christmas doesn't come like a Hallmark movie. Instead, it shines a light onto the darkness that we can't get ourselves out of. There are really two types of people when it comes to Christmas. Um, There are those who enjoy Christmas just for its own sake, but really they they could take it or they could leave it. And then there are those of us who absolutely need it, because Christmas speaks of a hope, a person beyond this world who came into this world to save us, to pull us out of the darkness and into the light. What does Christmas mean to you? To the prophet Isaiah, it meant hope. The hope of a child shining light into the darkness. What we discover on Christmas morning, finally, is the answer to everything that's ever made us feel afraid, or anxious, or depressed, or hopeless, Every anxiety we've carried, every fear we've held on to, every every difficulty we faced is answered in one single person, a child. Isaiah 9.6 again says, For a child is born to us, a son is given to us. The government will rest on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. We've heard this story so many times that it can be hard to see it with fresh eyes. Um, A child being born isn't at all what we'd expect to be the answer to all of our problems. There's not much in this world that is weaker than a newborn infant. Um, Animal offspring are usually way more self-sufficient. Think of, and I'll use this example because I grew up in Florida uh, and I remember this. Think of baby sea turtles. They hatch on the beach and like immediately they're on a life and death race to the ocean. Before they even have time to look around, they're off and running. But a human child, They just lay there, right, crying for milk, sleeping most of the day. That child, that newborn infant, is entirely vulnerable, right? Anything could happen and would have no defense. How is it, how is it that God waged war on the evil and the darkness in this world by sending a baby, and how does that even make sense? I've mentioned in previous messages that the kingdom of God is an upside-down kingdom. All, right? all the values, all the values of this world, strength, power, wealth, what defines success, right? all of them are flipped upside down. And we totally see this in the birth of Jesus, right? A child born in weakness, humbleness, obscurity, poverty. It's this newborn baby that will eventually defeat every single dark power in this world. The whole Bible is looking forward to this child, right? Eve was promised a child that would one day crush the head of a serpent. David was promised a child who would one day sit on his throne and rule forever. The child who shines in the darkness, the baby in the manger, is none other than the son of Eve, the son of David, the son of God. And his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. We like to think that we're self reliant, uh, that we're capable, that we are independent. We we are pull ourselves up by our bootstraps kind of people. Um, We are able to achieve all kinds of things on our own. But it turns out we can't. We need God. And at Christmas, God enters into our world in the flesh in the form of a helpless newborn baby. We need that baby. We need that Son of God in every way possible, not just to save us from our sins, but to live every single day of our lives. He is our daily bread. And Isaiah says that the government will rest upon his shoulders. What does that mean? It means, first, that the governments of this world will never be the answer. Jesus is the answer. We're not to put our hope in a political party. We are not to put our hope in a political candidate. We are to put our hope in Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Jesus is the King of kings, he is the Lord of lords. He rules and he reigns over all. And how will he govern? Isaiah says that he will be wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, and prince of peace. Biblical scholar Ray Ortland, in his commentary on the book of Isaiah says this, As the Wonderful Counselor, He has the best ideas and strategies. Let's follow Him. As the Mighty God, He defeats His enemies easily. Let's hide behind Him. As the Everlasting Father, He loves us endlessly. Let's enjoy Him. As the Prince of Peace, He reconciles us while we are still His enemies. Let's welcome His dominion. Let's look at our next verse in our scripture this morning, Isaiah 9, verse 7. It says, His government and its peace will never end. He will rule with fairness and justice from the throne of his ancestor David for all eternity. The passionate commitment of the Lord of heaven's armies will make this happen. You know what this means? When Jesus returns, there will be no end to his government and his peace. His victory will be absolutely total, absolutely complete. His kingdom will have no end. He will fulfill every promise that he ever made, and his, he will reign forever. Right? This, this, is, this is the good news. This is the good news, especially to those of us And to those people who are living in oppression, right, who are living in injustice, who feel like they have no hope, all that evil is coming to an end in Christ. Jesus is the perfect king, a king of justice and peace without end, right? If we accept Jesus Christ as our king, we have nothing to fear. Absolutely nothing. He will always be for us, no matter how great, no matter how small we are. In fact, the smaller the better. The needier the better. The more humble the better. Jesus is the king, Jesus is the savior for all who recognize their need for him. We will never reach the limit of Jesus' strength. We will never exhaust his grace. We will never run so far that he can't reach us. We will never fail so hard that he can't redeem us. We will never fall so deep that he can't rescue us. His kingdom will come, the Bible says, until the earth is filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. This is in Habakkuk. Chapter 2, verse 14, it says, For as the waters fill the sea, the earth will be filled with an awareness of the glory of the Lord. Think about it. Every moment with Jesus is and will forever be better than the moment before. He will increase, and we will be with him enjoying his increase. The amazing thing about these verses from Isaiah is that all of this, all of this is initiated by God. Right? Not us, but him. Christmas is a time to remember this absolutely amazing fact. God loves to do for his people what they cannot do for themselves. Look at the end of verse 7 again. It says, the passionate commitment of the Lord of heaven's armies will make this happen. Do you know what that means? It means that God's passion for his own glory is driving this. He isn't getting tired of saving people, of healing people, of restoring people, of giving people a new beginning, giving people a new identity, of giving them a new family, giving them a new future. And actually, he's just getting started, right? The more he has to triumph over evil, the more of his grace and his power and his majesty is seen and known. The needier and the more dependent you and I are on him, the greater his desire is to provide. So like a father with a child who loves for no other reason And because he loves the all-holy, the eternal, the everlasting Father, he loves you with all of his heart. That's why he gave his child. And that's why that child went to the cross. John 15, 13 says this, There is no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. So here's what Christmas ultimately means. It is the promise of light shining into the darkness. It is a child given to us on Christmas morning. And here is who Christmas is for. If you feel darkness, if you feel weary and you are in need of rest, if you are mourning and in need of comfort, If you feel worthless and wonder if God even cares, if you feel like a failure or you feel ashamed or insignificant or even invisible, this light, this child, is for you. Maybe you don't feel like you deserve it. Fact is, none of us deserve this light. We just receive this light. You might have a heap of broken dreams, unkept promises, shattered hopes, all kinds of messed up desires, and a pile of sins you can't even believe that you've committed. The entry into his glorious kingdom, out of the darkness and into his marvelous light, is as simple as recognizing that you need Jesus. You might be an absolute mess, but you can be Jesus' mess. He would love that. By coming to us as an infant that first Christmas morning, God has made salvation possible so that anyone can have it. But there is one catch. You have to forsake self-reliance. You have to lay aside the pride that won't accept being saved by a baby in a manger. Maybe this Christmas, more than ever before, you need to give up control, you need to open your hands, and you need to accept the overwhelming grace of God. Maybe this Christmas you need the light of Christ to ignite or reignite a passion for the Lord in your heart. You've, you've, you've sorta of just like settled and, and no one would describe you as being on fire for Jesus. And you want that to change. Maybe this Christmas, you just, you just need to get right with God. You're saying, uh, I've messed up. I'm not sure if, if God will accept me back again. I don't deserve a second or third or tenth. Or hundredth chance God's not asking you to deserve Jesus none of us do none of us do like look around you most of us look like we've got it all together I can tell you we do not we are all here but by the grace of God We are all broken in different ways. We are all nursing hidden wounds. We are all hurting in secret places. We are all in need of a Savior. And that Savior, Jesus, is asking you to receive him. Receive his forgiveness, receive his salvation, receive his spirit, receive his presence, receive his provision, and not just once, like every day of our lives. My prayer this morning is that we would burn brightly with the light of Christ. For to you a child is born, to you a son is given. I want to close out by praying two scriptures. Uh, One is a messianic prophecy from Daniel 7. And the other is the fulfillment of that prophecy in Luke 1. So let's pray. Lord, we we pray these words of scripture that prophesy and then announce the coming of the king. First, in the words of Daniel. Daniel. As my vision continued that night, I saw someone like a son of man coming with the clouds of heaven. He approached the ancient one and was led into his presence. He was given authority, honor, and sovereignty over all the nations of the world so that people of every race and nation and language would obey him. His rule is eternal. It will never end. His kingdom will never be destroyed. And then in the words of Luke, you will conceive and give birth to a son and you will name him Jesus. He will be very great and will be called the son of the most high. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David and he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. Our prayer this morning is come, Lord Jesus. Come, Lord Jesus. Reign over the earth. Reign over our lives. Reign over our hearts and our minds. It's in Jesus' precious name. We pray amen and amen and amen.